Hi, the lesson is from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 4 through 9 and 15. These are the generations of the heavens and earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. This is the word of God. Our gospel this morning is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. However that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned, to which God has called you. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but obeying the commandments of God is everything. Let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. Even if you gain your freedom, make use of your present condition now more than ever. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed person belonging to the Lord, just as whoever was free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. In whatever condition you were called, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled that the first Monday of September in each year being the day celebrated and known as Labor's Holiday is hereby made a legal public holiday. This proclamation written into law by our Congress in the year 1894 gave us the day we celebrate this weekend, a day where we can take rest from our labor and also celebrate our labor. And our labor is indeed something to be celebrated. We work hard for our family and for our society. We provide services and goods to our neighbors. We do so much every day for the good of those around us. For some, or perhaps maybe even many of us, our daily labor might be filled with immense joy 
It gives our life purpose and meaning as we participate in something that is bigger than ourselves. However, for others, work might not be so filled with joy. Labor might be difficult, and it might not necessarily bring meaning to our everyday life. Or perhaps work can't even be found. Perhaps work is just so hard to come by, and when positions finally do become available, they may not be inherently attainable. This is the reality of working in our society. We're thankful when it's good, but far too often it's just merely a burden. It's just something we have to do to pay the bills and support our family. But when we think of this work, when we think of our work in this cold and godless way, it can seem dark. Like there's just no hope in our work and labor. Like it doesn't matter. Or that we're just robots of some sort of capitalism machine. However, we can't forget that God, through the Holy Spirit, moves in and through us and uses our hands and our voices and our talents to daily create and recreate and redeem the world. Yes, God uses us in our labor and work of our daily jobs and also outside of them as well to do the sacred work of the kingdom of God. So this morning I want to move us away from this modern social narrative of work and labor as deeply burdensome and a typically secular act, instead move us towards an understanding of God's radical calling of vocation for us and our time and our place. Vocation can be a bit of a strange topic to talk about. As a seminarian, I hear this word mentioned with great frequency. In fact, I could probably pay off my entire student loans from undergrad if I received a dollar every time I've heard the word vocation used in conversations with friends or colleagues or professors' mouths or, administra uh, or administrators uh, at the seminary. I, I hear this concept of vocation all the time. And for those of us who are privileged enough to have the time and the financial security to do the work of discerning what our perceived vocation for the path of our daily labor we wish to pursue is, it can be an exciting and deeply spiritual exercise. We discover the gifts and talents which God has bestowed upon us at our creation and find how these gifts and talents can be used to serve others. Could there be anything that works towards strengthening our relationship with God more than this. But this luxury does not exist for everyone. For those who don't have this luxury and for those who find themselves in tough situations or those who are in the midst of jobs that give no meaning and no hope or for those who would just do anything to have work, whatever that work might look like, today's scripture is indeed for you. Admittedly, this section of the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians can and certainly has been used in defense of some pretty terrible things. Defense of slavery, defense of oppression, defense of hatred toward those whose life situations are seen as hard and challenging or 
are just not seen as worthy enough. But using this passage in this way ignores and certainly takes in vain the deep, deep love and grace that God has for each and every one of us, all of us as God's children. It's easy to think of vocation as as just the job that we go to every day, as just this singular task that we perform day in and day out, or perhaps from a more privileged view, it's the work that we're called to do with the gifts that God has given us. But as Paul says in this letter to the Corinthians, in whatever condition you were called brothers and sisters, dare remain with God. There remain with God. This is our true vocation, to remain with God in our time and place. And at this point, we must ask of ourselves, well, what does it mean to remain with God? What does God call us to do? What is our duty as child of God? Of course, we know it is to serve and love our neighbor. When we perform our daily tasks from a place of love for our neighbor, we are freed from the burdens of it. Now, this is not to say that labor and work is going to be easy, for often it is not, and indeed challenging and and sometimes burdensome. And nor does freedom from the burdens of work mean that we won't have to do work, which I recognize would sometimes be nice. But no, even Adam was placed in the garden not to just live freely in the garden with no responsibility. No, Adam was placed in the garden at the beginning of creation to work and to till the land. We are free because we know that the work we do is indeed the sacred work of the kingdom of God in service and love for our neighbor no matter what that work is, no matter what that work looks like. As children of God, we are called to discipleship by living our daily lives in service to one another, in love of one another. Martin Luther has frequently been attributed with the quote, the Christian shoemaker does their Christian duty not by putting little crosses on their shoes, but by making good shoes. Now, whether Luther actually said this or not is neither here nor there. What is important is the meaning of it. The work we do is not for our own salvation. It is not for acquiring wealth, though I do recognize the importance of working for financial security for our families. Instead, our work and our labor is to show God's love to the world. Our work, when done well and done to its best capacity for the purpose of our neighbor, that is our true Christian vocation. Growing up, I had the privilege of watching my father model true vocation. My dad never had a glamorous job. My dad never intentionally did that work of finding what his gifts are and then matching them with the perfect job that then he could thrive in. No, he just did his job, but he did it to the best of his ability, the best that he could. But he also continued this outside of his job, continued his vocation outside of work. 
As a leader in the Boy Scouts, my dad did the best he could to make sure that the scouting experience was wonderful for all who participated. During my time in marching band, he served to ensure the safety and logistics and the well-being of all the members of the band, as well as the organization itself. And in the church, he worked towards the success of the congregation so that it may have the capacity to do ministry. Of course, as my father, he made sure that I had every opportunity to succeed. And he made sure that my family was always strong and in deep relationship with each other. To this day, I continue to watch my dad do his Christian duty, to model true vocation in everything he does. He continues to be the best he can be and do the best he can be. He doesn't do it out of some sort of command from his boss. He doesn't do it from command from the government or command from anyone. He does it because he loves his family and he loves the people he works with. Don't get me wrong, my dad is not perfect. And my dad will admit this. My dad makes mistakes, but he still strives to be the best he can for the people that he continues to serve. Again, my dad does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on everything he does. My dad doesn't quote Bible passages at them all day long, and he doesn't make sure that everyone that he works for has accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. No, he does his Christian duty just by being the best he can in service of his neighbor, in service of his family. Indeed, what a model I have had in my life. God's call of vocation for us is to love our neighbor, to love our family, to be the best we can be in our time and our place, to serve those who are around us. Over the past weeks and months, I have been overwhelmed, deeply overwhelmed, with the calls to action to stand up for the civil and human rights of many of our sisters and brothers. I have been overwhelmed with the call to help so many people who have been caught in the path of dangerous and life-threatening weather. I've been overwhelmed because, in reality, I feel like there is just nothing that I can do that could possibly make a big enough difference for those who are in need. Because look around us, there is so much to do. If you feel the same way, I hope you hear God's call to follow your true vocation and your true calling as a beloved child of God. We can't change the world with one fell swoop, though I really wish we could. We can't make every single person's lives better, which again, I really wish we could. But we can change the world by loving the neighbors in our small slice of the kingdom. We can change the world by being the best we can be and doing the best we can in whatever situation we find ourselves in and with whatever jobs we find ourselves occupying. Jobs from mother and father, sister and brother, grandmother and grandfather, employers and employees, accountants, shoemakers, storefront salespeople, scout leaders, band leaders, gymnastics parents, volunteers, whatever position you might hold, there remain with God. 
there follow your Christian vocation to love and serve your neighbor as a beloved child of God. Show God's love to the world not by putting little crosses on everything you do or quoting those scripture verses that your coworkers or your colleagues or your family or your friends. Show God's love through the daily work of your life. The things you do are important. The tasks you perform matter. God's work in the world becomes manifest in your daily actions and your work with those around you. So take this Labor Day to rest from your work. Take this Labor Day to celebrate your work. And with your family and friends by your side, stay in good faith, knowing that God uses your hands and your minds and your hearts and your feet to continue God's redeeming and grace-filled work in the world. All glory and honor be yours, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who was and is and is to come. Amen.